Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. From the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. How are we doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Baxter. I'm excited to be on a soccer show that has nothing to do with politics outside of perhaps (laughs) soccer. (laughs) Well, if we're going to talk about FIFA today, which I think we might, that'll be a little bit political, unfortunately. Sure. They're just as corrupt as the rest of the world. Well, exactly. Right. Makes for a fun time, though, right? But it's always fun when corrupt organizations call out other corrupt organizations. It's more fun. Everybody else is like, but aren't you? But aren't we? It's like, oh, whatever. Let's just move on, I guess. But Baxter... Oh, sorry. I'm no, go ahead. No, no you do what you got to do. No, I was just going to say, we've got a great show on Yes, go ahead, go ahead. So, uh, a quick reminder for all of you, of course, you can get the show Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live right here on Spreaker.com. Two great guests today, Ivan Sanchez of Vavil USA, will be here to give us the Mexico side of the USA-Mexico preview in our second segment, and then in our fourth segment, FC Dallas goalkeeper Chris Seitz will be here to join us to recap things that took place this last campaign for FC Dallas. They won the double, but not the treble. We'll get his thoughts and talk about a lot of other fun things as well. And, of course, if you ever miss this show, you can find it by going to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com as well. You can also find us on Facebook, 2upfront, and on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. Of course, our own Twitter handles, at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. Uh, special announcement. Well, not so much an announcement, an introduction here. We're... We're actually playing like a 4-3-3 on two up front we today. Are. So more of a uh, three up front. Nobody ever says that, but maybe a withdrawn forward. <laughs> the I don't know. Yeah, Whatever it is. Winger, maybe we, we, we got our number nine in the studio today. Ah, there we uh, go. The uh, director of academy, uh, what, how do I say that? Academy director over at Strike FC, TC Ward, is here in studio with us. TC, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. I'm excited to be back uh, in the in the studio with you guys. Yeah, you uh, you helped Simon co-host while I was off somewhere. I don't remember what I was doing I can't remember what it was either. I go all over the place. So. Yeah, I helped try and keep the show from going off the rails the best <laughs> I could. Uh. Simon needs all the help he can get when I'm <laughs> Absolutely. Gone. But uh, TC, we're thrilled to have you joining us the entire show. Uh, one of the main reasons you're here is because my wife is actually here in the studio today, which is fantastic and doesn't happen very often. My, we are, my wife is nine months pregnant, and the baby could literally come any moment. So aside from your suave soccer knowledge, you're also the you know the backup you know, to adjust the super case. sub. Just I'm in great case at I being the to, super uh, sub. Just in yeah, case I need to know. be pulled off the field <laughs> mid-game here and uh, run to the hospital. So you're 
uh, you're helping us out in that regards also. But uh, we, we would be remise, or remiss to not talk about European football with you since you're here because you know a lot, especially the Champions League. And you were talking before we went on the air about a surprise draw that took place in the last Champions League round of matches. Tell, walk us through that a little bit and give us your thoughts, among other things. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was the Liga Warsaw against Real Madrid, and normally you would expect Liga Warsaw to go down in flames in a game like that. And I had it on for the first, you know, minute and a half and Gareth Bale scores. And I was like, well, you judge <laughs> games really quickly. Well, there's no, there's no fans in the stadium because Liga Warsaw had a stadium ban uh, after their game against Dortmund. Surprise, and, surprise, right? right? A Russian yeah. team with a, yeah. a stadium ban. <laughs> so I, uh, um, Actually, I think it's Poland. Is it Poland? Yeah, okay. it's Poland. Polish. But Warsaw, you know, Poland. Oh yes, of Western course. Russia. Of course. I don't know if I can say that, but so basically, um, you know, I'm looking at it like this game's going to be a touchdown. There's mm-hmm. no way that anything's. So I turned on the um, the Spurs game to hopefully watch yeah, them. Spurs, Leverkusen. You know, yeah, fall apart against Leverkusen, which they did um, at <laughs> Classic Wembley. Classic Spurs. Uh, and um, turns out that that game ended up being a 3-3 and uh, Liga Warsaw pulled out a surprise point in that game um, you know and I was watching ESPN FC and uh, Stevie Nichol was saying you know it's tough for those Real Madrid guys to get up for a game when there's no fans in the stadium and I'm like you know you have a, a roster that's worth a billion dollars I mean <laughs> it shouldn't even be a competitive it match it shouldn't so, be no um, but those places are tough to play regardless of whether fans I mean uh you look at the Arsenal result against um, Ludogorets, yeah. and that was a three-two yeah. game. Ludogorets was up two 0 Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was tough for me to watch. Um, but you know, so it it just goes to show there's no real easy games in the Champions League. Exactly. Well, Simon and I have talked about this too, even from the U.S. men's national team perspective. Games when they play, though, those qualifying World Cup games down in those small island countries, on paper the U.S. Mm-hmm. should just roll through them, but it's the environment, it's the fans, it's the poor pitch qualities, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and then suddenly everything is just thrown out the window. Yeah, you look at the game against Cuba for the men's national team, and you look at that field, and it can be a big equalizer. I mean, I know guys on the national team will talk about, and actually there, I think there was a Nike commercial that showed you know, just uh, the U.S. men's national team walking out through the tunnel against Panama or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and the Red Army and stuff. And it's just, it's, they're hostile environments. It is. Uh, but it makes for great theater and everything, but it's definitely not easy to play it. So, TC, i got to take advantage of while you're here. Any any teams that are surprised to you one way or another? For example, uh, Sevilla being first in their group, uh, perhaps Lyon being not as good as people thought they may be in Champions League. Obviously, Leicester City? Yeah, but I, the, the only reason, I'll answer that one myself. <laughs> Leicester has such a weak group that it doesn't yeah. surprise me they're on top. But uh, So Leicester definitely benefited from, in a lot of ways, uh, from winning the Champions League. Um, and so they definitely have an easier group because they're in that first pot. Um, I would definitely say that uh, Sevilla is a bit of a surprise, but they're not new to, you know, being in these kind of tournaments, I mean, they've won the Europa League three years in a row. Yeah. Um, and so I think now they're trying to really push to make that next step. Um, and their group, you know, realistically, Dynamo Kiev, um, you know, is is really falling off. And Lyon plays in League One. And uh, aside, f- and that's not to diminish the French League. No, but, you can diminish you know, it. There's yeah, not much there, you know, let's be so, honest. Um, you know, I don't think that's as much of a surprise. I think Dortmund being top of their group, um, above Real Madrid, you know, Dortmund really, even though they're in like fifth in the Bundesliga, they just look like a team that can 
can rip apart anyone, especially if they get a goal early and they stretch a team with Abomayang's pace. Um, Pulisic, the boy wonder from the U.S., is tearing it up. Um, I think Spurs actually, and it's not as an Arsenal fan, I think Spurs being really struggling um, is a bit of a surprise. Um, they, I don't think they've won at Wembley yet. And a lot of talk went into that as far as, you know, it's not the same as playing at White Hart Lane. And one of the things I, I agree with that from the sense that White Hart Lane is actually a small pitch. And yeah. it's, it's made that way, and it fits their system and style of play of pressing really high. And when you're on a bigger field, that becomes a lot more difficult. And so I think that's really hurting them. I mean, they're dropping points at home, which usually, like we just talked about in these games, you really got to, defend your home turf because the away games are really tough um arsenal is a bit of a surprise yeah uh, i'd agree just because you know usually there's there's some falling off as an arsenal fan i'm very happy yes no same here um what a goal by ozil too by the way i mean quality magic quality um and then uh atletico madrid topping their group um you know they they beat Bayern. um you know and and Bayern has struggled a little bit to to dispatch the minnows in their group, um, you know, Atletico Madrid just—I don't know—they're—they're they're kind of like the Southampton of Europe, where they lose players every year, and every year they keep, you know, doing really well. So that's true. Um, well, one other thing I want to briefly talk to you about before we run into our first break here has to do with someone that's someone. Some might call him a minnow, some might call him an atomic, and it's Giovinco. Uh, we had talked about him in regards of the fact that the Italian national team coach is saying, you know, MLS is not a real league. I don't care how good you are, Giovinco. You'll never be a part of my national team, basically. Mm-hmm. And you, Simon and I, you and I talked about that last show, but you were talking briefly before we went on the air, too, kind of about your thoughts about that. I just wanted to hear your 20-second version of that, basically. Yeah, I just think he's a guy that can do a job for you. I think you can tell from a player the way that they move, how quickly they can get a pass off or a shot off, you know, that regardless of the competition they're playing against, they can do a job for you. I mean, and I think even as like a 70th minute sub, you know, he can definitely add value to any national team. And, you know, he's great on set pieces, which doesn't matter what league you're in. You know, if you can curl a ball in from 25 consistently, you know, you're an asset. And so it's not like the Italian national team's lighting the world on fire right that's, now. That's the big thing is it is exactly that. It's, it's not like anybody's pinning them to win the next World Cup, the next no. European Championship. Well, they made a good run at the Euros, so, too, though. Yeah. yeah, but but you give somebody a, somebody who is playing so well, regardless of the league, I don't care if he's playing in Sweden or Norway, you give him the opportunity to show what he can do at the national team level. They are very, I don't know if xenophobic is the right word, but a lot of, t- you know, you look at their team, they're, they're consistently, they have a lot of players from Syria, and I think they really value mm-hmm. guys that stay in Syria. And I think that hurts guys. I mean, Balotelli is lighting League One on fire, and he's he not getting called up. Um, I don't know what Pele is doing in China, but that's actually more a Living life at a high yeah, level I, because I, he's I, making <laughs> way more money than he deserves, probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, well, we're going to run to our first break. When we come back, Ivan Sanchez of Avalu USA will be here to give us the Mexico side of things is between the USA-Mexico clash tomorrow evening down in Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this.
Joe Crunch from the Attention Air Media Studios, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. We have T.C. Ward as well joining us in the studios with us as we continue to roll along with our program. Time to get to our first guest. We have two guests today, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, Chris Seitz of FC Dallas will be joining us in our fourth segment at 12.38 p.m. Central Time. So if you can get a hold of us at that time, if you're not listening live, well, you should. If you're not, of course, find it on Spreaker and on iTunes and on Vavil USA as well. Speaking of Vavil USA, Simon, we have uh, our next guest. We've, we've had Vavil USA writers and editors on before, Chris Blakely, Matt Evans, Bianca Verrar, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we get the opportunity to speak to, uh, we get to form a new friendship with somebody at Vavil USA. He is the lead Mexican soccer writer for Vavil USA. It's Ivan Sanchez, and he is here now with us to help preview the USA-Mexico game, or the Mexico-USA game, I guess, because he is on the Mexico side of things. So, Ivan, welcome to Two Up Front, sir. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to this. Well, we're thrilled to have you on the show, Ivan. A big game tomorrow night between the USA and Mexico. The United States, I feel like, is really embracing this, and they're very excited, of course, because it's USA-Mexico, a rivalry that goes back many, many years, the famous Dosa Zero scoreline. But how are things looking from the Mexican standpoint and from what you've heard from how the, you know, you know, the Mexican fans and the, and the team as a whole are kind of reacting leading up to this important game? Uh, I think we see it as a good opportunity for Mexico to vanish some past uh, ghost, I guess you could say. We all know the story, four straight games in Columbus, four straight uh, Los Aceros, 2-0 wins for the USA. But I think uh, this Mexican team, which is the best possible roster that they could have called up, uh, looks ready and hungry, and it's a good team to get a result in Columbus, something they haven't done in the past. One of the things that I think a lot of folks are talking about, and you recently wrote an article about on Vavil, is uh, Rafa Marquez and how you know he is, of course, getting towards the end of his career. But the veteran presence and you know against a team like the United States, what does what does him being on this roster do for the Mexican national team? Does it actually help them, or does it kind of hinder them because he is on the wrong side of thirty at this point in his career? Well, that's a. Uh... Twofold question because on the field he does he's lacked the pace now he doesn't have the mobility anymore so you have to cover for him and he's going to play I think he's going to play tomorrow there's the reason he's getting called up at thirty five at thirty seven years old is to play in this game they're not just having him around as a non field coach he's there to make an impact and play so I think you, and he's going to bring leadership he's been he's played through three of these games already in Columbus. He's gone red-carded before. Um, I think a lot of USA fans know the history with Rafa Marquez. But what he brings is a calm, is a, there's a calming presence about him. At his age now, nothing really phases him. He kind of just embraces everything as it comes along. What he does really well, and I think what a lot of people uh, don't recognize, and what made him such a great player in his prime is his, abil- his ability to pass the ball. He's a world-class passer. Pinpoint long balls switches the point of attack, allows for allows for the allows for switches on the offense and uh, can attack the gaps with a long ball behind the back line if USA allows for any to allow the Mexican attackers to get through and that's why he's going to be on the field for that reason. I don't he might not last for ninety minutes and that's where a player like Jonathan dos Santos will come in the 26-year-old younger brother of Giovanni Dos Santos, who mm-hmm. plays his soccer in Villarreal. So, but he's on the field for that leadership. There is an aura about him now that I wrote in the article, if you get it. But, you know, he walks around now. 
he kind of tends to embrace everything and everybody. His nickname now is actually El Jefe, which means the boss. And that's from the players calling him that. And even the higher ups in the Mexican Federation, they call him that. So there's definitely this kind of presence about him, this confidence that, uh, that is there when he's with the team. And he didn't play in, in Mexico 7-0 to be in Chile. He was on the bench because he was flying back from Guadalajara from the birth of his son. And I think you saw the lack of leadership in that game to pick the team up when things yeah. started to go not go well. And then it just was a complete free-for-all. And part of that, I think, was because he wasn't there. He wasn't on the field leading his leadership. His ability to see the game, read the game, is what's allowing him to still play at this age. Well, that's that's the question I have for you, Ivan. We we saw, especially in the Copa America, in that seven zero loss, um, you know how quickly Mexico just, lack of a better phrase, gave up on themselves. So, what do they do? Let's say the U.S. does go up two zero, and now they've got that Dosis arrow facing them again. What what do they do in that moment? How do they pick themselves up and say we we can't let this happen again? Again, that's assuming that that would happen. Yeah, I think it's not only on Marquez. I think that was a gut check for all the other players because you look at players like Hector Moreno, Andres Guardado, Chicharito Hernandez. All these guys have been on the national team for years. We're talking, they've all played World Cups. They've all played big games. It was kind of a gut check for them to be like, you know what, we have to pick up. We cannot have Marquez continuing to be the the guy who picks us up every time. We need to take the leadership role in that. And I think that was a big... Uh, eye-opener for them to, to kind of a little punch in the gut for challenging them to become better leaders and be the ones that take the team up when they need it. So I think it'll be a good character check to see if that happens to them. And the interesting thing with the U.S.-Mexico, besides that in 2009, all the games have gone 0-0 into halftime. So it'll be interesting to see when, when the USA score and uh, how Mexico reacts in that sort of way. And to see how they re- to see if they react and take up the way you were talking. One of the things I- I'm curious about is we're talking with Ivan Sanchez on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Uh, Ivan, one of the things I'm curious about um, is two wild cards, as you mentioned in your article, uh, Giovanni dos Santos and Carlos Vela. MLS fans are very, of course, familiar with Giovanni Dos Santos and the incredible year that he had for the LA Galaxy. Some say he underproduced. I think that's a little ridiculous. Anytime you go double digits in both goals and assists, I think you're doing something right with your career. I don't care what level you play at. But how now that Gio is back finally with the national team, especially after passing on Copa America, what do you think his presence on the team, number one, is I'm assuming he's going to play. But do you, if he doesn't, if he does play, what can we expect from him? Do you think? You know, I'm interested to see if he'll play. I'm not sure if he'll play. Mexico has a lot of attacking options, and Osorio likes to play his cards close to his chest. He doesn't reveal his lineup to the team till game day, about three hours before the game. So this is all media speculation on how they're going to line up, how they could play. Um, I think if he does play, he has a great chance to make an impact. But I'm like you, I'm not guaranteed, not 100% sure he will play. I think there's a spine on Mexico's team that players who will always start big games that uh, Osorio has shown in the past include uh, Hernandez, um, uh, Moreno, Guardado, Herrera, and Marquez. And Talavera's been in the player in goal in big games for them, and Miguel Ayun on the back line as well. But besides that, he kind of changes different players. I think if he does play, he will look for him to play on the right-hand side or behind the forward, and if that happens, that will allow um, 
Miguel Ayun to push up on the right-hand side and become more of a midfielder than a defender when they attack. Yeah, I, but mean, I think he's coming. Oh, sorry. But, yeah, he's coming in in good form. I think you might get – if I don't know if he'll start, I think if I had my money on it, I would say he will – he won't start, but he could make an impact. And he's the kind of player who can change a sure. game with not that much, with with an easy with a flow, with a run, with a play. But there's so many options Mexico has on how they want to choose to attack that. It'll be interesting to see what Osorio does at the end. Yeah, Ivan. I mean, um, the U.S. has given up early goals in something like their last seven games: Guatemala, Argentina, Colombia. Um, St. Vincent Grenadine. Do you see Osario maybe trying to take the crowd out of it by going with a really attacking lineup instead of maybe trying to sit in and and, and defend for long periods away from home? Uh, you, I think they're going to be aggressive in the attack, but I think the way they're going to be, they're going to attack and try to be aggressive is going to be different than what people expect. I think the biggest game you can watch from Mexico's from Mexico under Osorio was last year when they played Honduras in Honduras mm-hmm. in a place they haven't won in 50 years. And what he did, he put up four center backs in, their, in his back line and pretty much didn't allow uh, Honduras to counterattack and allowed the rest of the players to, to attack that way, which didn't allow them, which didn't allow the opportunity for counterattacks, didn't allow for the other team to expose long balls over the back because they had big guys back there. So I think it's, he's going to be aggressive, but the way he's going to be aggressive is going to be different than what people expect. You're not going to see what you're not going to see outside backs flying up, leaving gaps behind, mm-hmm. partially because Marquez will be in the middle and he doesn't have the legs anymore to cover, and yeah. partially from the defenders he called up, seven of them are center backs. So expect for a more disciplined attack. Probably look for to try to take the crowd out of the game through passing, through keeping the ball, and trying to create gaps and attack through the wide and create gaps down the middle and create different channels for the midfielders to come in for you, uh, Chicharito to push the back line up. Could you so see I think Mar- the attack is going to be aggressive, but unique. Could you see Marquez maybe playing in a holding midfield role like he has in the past because of that number of center backs that he has called up, or is that unlikely? I think that's exactly where you're going to find him. Him or, uh, depending if um, Diego Reyes plays, they're able to switch. Diego Reyes has played uh, defensive midfield for Espanol and for Mexico in the past. And uh, Osorio likes that kind of ability to rotate players in different positions, kind of seamlessly flow. I think at the end, Marquez has enough um, say with the team that if he feels he needs to drop back more, he'll drop back and let Mm -hmm. Diego Reyes go up, or he will stay in that defensive midfield role. But I think that's where you're going to see him, in that defensive midfield role. And I think partially because of that is that's where Mexico has the biggest advantage to the U.S. is going to be in the midfield. I think Guardado uh, and Hector Herrera are better than are the better combo than what the U.S. has to has to give. Add that a Marquez or a Jonathan Dos Santos, and I think that's where Mexico is going to try to win the game is in the midfield, take advantage of that, and attack through and be aggressive through that. All right, Ivan. Hey, we certainly appreciate your insight. Of course, we can't let you go without asking you what's your prediction. I'm going. I'm going to go, well, the last couple games they played, uh, when Mexico's won, it's been the most memorable ones in 2011. It was 4-2, and last year it was 3-2. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 
3-1 Mexico. Mm, interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, well, Ivan, we appreciate your insight. Um, before we let you go, where can people find your work uh, at Vavil, and where can they find you on social media as well? Yeah, you can find me on Vavil, uh, Vavil.com slash Ivan Sanchez Carrasco. You can find me on there and on Twitter. Uh, Ivan Sanchez at I-S-C-A-R-R-23. Fantastic, Ivan. Always a pleasure, sir. Let's do this again sometime soon. Hey, yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. Have fun tomorrow. Will do, will do. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the world of the U.S. women's national team a little bit and the NWSL. Some trades have been taking place. Boston, of course, signed somebody else. It might have been Simon finally this time. We'll have to see. And the USA takes on Romania this evening. We'll talk about that and much more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back right after this. inside the Attention Era Media Studios here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. And I'm T.C. Ward. All right, gentlemen, as we roll along with the program, reminder, find us on Facebook, Two Up Front, and at Two Up Front Soccer on the Twitterverse. I'm at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, at what? What are you, T.C.? Are you a Twitter? I, I, well, I have a Twitter account. I think it's at T.C. Ward underscore, but I rarely... Ooh, the underscore. Well, it had to... Do something so I uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Don't, I mean, hey, you hey. can go on my Twitter account. You'll <laughs> see a tweet like once every two months or something when I'm bored. Uh, Nobody blames you for that. Yeah, yeah you know, un- until I started doing two up front, I didn't really do the Twitter thing either. Yeah. So I had it, but never looked at it. So yeah. I get it, man. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's totally I mean, fine. I, uh, I tweeted at, uh, oh, what's this? I caught off sides podcast last oh, week sure. asking if Spurs, if they go unbeaten, but don't finish first, do they still get like a second place gold runners up trophy? Uh, and they retweeted that. that <laughs> there you go. Like that, so. uh, real quick, speaking of uh, the game, of course, that we just previewed, US Mexico, make sure you check it out at the Three Lions Pub. Also, that day, of course, is England Scotland. So, big, Woo! big game there. Uh, I'm of Scottish blood, so you know who I'm cheering for. But that game is at 145. US Mexico, of course, at seven. Both tomorrow, Friday, 
they're expecting a good crowd out there, obviously. So if uh, if you can't get to Columbus, if you can't get over to Wembley, might as well head down to the Three Lines Pub where it's uh, just a great atmosphere as well. Absolutely. 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 All right, USA versus Romania tonight. I'm sure that's how they say it in Romania, too, is the big there. But uh, Romania, 36th in the FIFA World Rankings, which means nothing. USA, I believe, is number one still. Why wouldn't they be? They're good. But um, <laughs> some new faces coming into camp, as many folks know, for Jill Ellis, Jess McDonald, uh, Lynn Williams is still relatively new, Akilia Ojai, and there's a bunch of others that are new as well. Uh, this game plays, takes place tonight at Avaya Stadium in San Jose, ESPN, ESPN Dos, or two, I'm English apparently is gone <laughs> for me today, uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, a game that folks are curious to see how some of these new players play. I'm, I want to know what Jess McDonald does tonight. I hope she gets an opportunity to play tonight. Personally. Yeah, the only thing I wonder about, you know, we're big Jess McDonald fans on the show here. The only thing I wonder about is at her age, I mean, is she really going to be considered for 2019? Well, is she 28? What is she? 28, 29? she's 29, Baxter. Maybe she is 28. I'll I'll look that up. But but either way, either one of those, you you just wonder, you know, is... She's obviously deserved this call-up. She's worked very hard for it throughout the years. Um, Is is this Jill Ellis saying, "Hey, let's you know, sure, let's let's give you let's give you a cap. Let's let's have you get up here and have this opportunity." I think that's a good. I think that's a good benchmark for her career. If she can still get up and maybe score a goal, it seems to be the new the case for the new players when they come in, especially the forwards. They score a goal if they do it within the first minute. Yes, if not, (laughs) your your career's a failure. It's like, nope, I'm sorry, it's not happening. There will be no Carly Lloyd for this game. No Allie Long. Uh, Both of those gals just went and got. Mary, all right, yep. so I'm Allie Long will be there. She's back from her honeymoon. But Carly Lloyd will not. She just got married last week. Right. So, rightfully so, she is not, not going to be there. But uh, Jess McDonald, by the way, is 28. So. Okay. So, so it makes it a little curious. It does. It certainly does. And you look at the other gals around her, if this were the starting you know, forwards, this is no Sydney LaRue, no Amy Rodriguez. This is you know, Crystal Dunn, Alex Morgan, Kelia Ojai, Kristen Press, and Lynn, and Lynn Williams. That's a darn good gathering of players right there aside from Jess McDonald. Yeah, as we talked about, I'm just excited that Jill Ellis is actually following through on bringing these uh, younger players in, or yeah. in the case of Jess McDonald, somebody who certainly deserved the call-up and has finally gotten The it. underdog players, you know. Right. I mean, there's, there's one player on this roster, uh, Andy Sullivan, that is still technically in college, so she plays at Stanford, so curious to see what she can do. It almost reminds you of the, uh, the old January camps for the men's team where, you know, it was basically like an MLS all-star team called yeah. up, uh, uh, you know, giving these guys a, a shot at... At least showing off their stuff. I think Jill Ellis has actually taken this a little bit more serious than than the parallel to that January camp. She is officially looking at every single person she brings up. Where I always got the feeling with the January camps, it, uh, and you can jump in too, TC, if you want. It wasn't always as serious as it was a let's reward them for the good year they had in MLS this year. Yeah, I think it's always been something that, uh, you know, it's difficult to get uh, the European contingent of, of U.S. players called up because that's you know a really big part of the season for those clubs but it, it, it is an excellent opportunity for a guy like a Chris Wondolowski to come in and do something or a guy. A, uh, you know a guy like DeAndre Yedlin earlier and and you know players like that that might not normally get called up in in right before you know a game against Mexico it's it's actually a really good opportunity for those guys so I actually like the January call up 
Yeah, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I no, think yeah. it, it's a good idea to get the new players in the door so you can really evaluate the talent that you have in your pool. Because, I mean, if you only can call in 18 to 24 guys per camp, I mean, if you continue to call the same guys, how are you ever supposed to know how good the other, you know, the right. rest of your pool is? So it's a good thing. And, Simon, we've talked about this, too. The U.S. have done a good job consistently of not only having a really deep pool, but also semi-shifting in some new players as well, especially now with Jill Ellis's massive you know, swap of players now. Well, I think part of this, too, it, it does speak to the health of the NWSL and Jill yeah. Ellis actually getting out there and watching games, you know, conversed with her at the NWSL championship game. I guarantee you that a big reason Jess McDonald gets called up uh, is not just because of injuries, but because she saw Jess McDonald in that championship yes, game did. and saw how well... Uh, she handles pressure and and her enorm- enormous leadership abilities on the field. Exactly, exactly. Uh, two other quick things we want to talk about to go with the NWSL offseason. The Boston Breakers have signed another player. It's a reunion between uh, head coach Matt Beard and a former Liverpool women's player, Rosie White. They were both at Liverpool back when Beard was the coach there. Now Boston adds another uh, offensive weapon to their arsenal, or their, well, I I mean, it's hard to say arsenal after you just talked about Liverpool, but you get the point. (laughs) Either way, though, uh, definitely something that is interesting uh, to see. And then another news also briefly, uh, Christine Naren being traded from Washington over to Seattle. Yeah, that's that's who she started her career with, so I think there may have been some aspirations by her to perhaps head back that way. But it is interesting, Baxter, all these top-notch players being traded away from the spirit. Exactly. You're absolutely right. All right, we have to run to another quick break, but when we come back, FC Dallas goalkeeper Chris Seitz will be here with us. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back right after this. inside the Attention Era Media Studios here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. And this is T.C. Ward. All right, gentlemen, as we continue to roll along with the show, T.C. Ward, yes, you heard that name correct, sitting in the studio, joining us, uh, as he does every once in a while. It's great to have him back in the studio. He's definitely our... One of our first call-ups off the bench if neither Simon or I can can make a show. So it's great to have you, TC, back in the studio with Appreciate us. it. All right, gentlemen, we get to head down to Dallas. We've had a couple of FC Dallas players on the show in the past. We've had Tesho Akindeli, Kellen Acosta, uh, and one more that I'm forgetting, Walker Zimmerman. Walker there Zimmerman, he is. yeah. I was going to say, I was like, Walker was the first one that we had. 
uh, in the past. Now we get to talk to the man that gets to yell at them for 90 minutes and not get in trouble for it. It's, their, <laughs> it's the goalkeeper of FC Dallas, Chris Seitz. He joins us on 2UpFront now on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Chris, welcome to 2UpFront, sir. Not too much, Chris. We are uh, thrilled to have you on the program today. Uh, Not, unfortunately, the best conclusion to the season for FC Dallas, but uh, still a lot to be proud of as well, too. Uh, What were some of your big takeaways from this 2016 campaign? Um, Obviously, I mean, the the two Cups for Championships we won uh, between the Supporters' Shield and and, and the Open Cup were huge. Um, We're obviously left wanting more, which... Uh, it's frustrating and tough, but at the end of the day, uh, it leaves us hungry for next year. And uh, hopefully we can we, – we have new goals for next year, and, and hopefully we can then go out and, and, and obtain those. Uh, speaking of personal reflections, Chris, uh, obviously Jesse Gonzalez started the year as the FC Dallas goalkeeper, got injured. Um, you took advantage of a great opportunity that was handed to you. Uh, what's that relationship like with you and Jesse? Oh, it's actually it's strong. Uh, there's only three of us on the roster, so uh, we spend more time with just the three of us than we do with the rest of the team. And uh, it's important that goalkeepers have a good relationship within the group. And uh, I, I like to say that we have a, a real strong one. So uh, not only do we push each other and, and respect each other, but we also know that we, uh, if, if one of us succeeds, it's kind of the group that's succeeding. And um, it's tough because only one of us gets to play. But at the same time, uh, we push each other daily to, to become better and stronger. Chris, this was the first time that you fully got to, to be the starting goalkeeper since you know 2010 when you played 23 games at the Philadelphia Union. You, you've kind of sparingly been on the, the, the starting lineup the last four or five years with FC Dallas. Now that you've had the opportunity to really play a full season again for the first time in about six years, how are you? How are you feeling physically? How are you feeling mentally? You know, going forward from here, especially thinking that you hopefully can now contend to be the starting goalkeeper again next season. Yeah, no. Look, I obviously it is, it is a big year for me. Um, with that being said, it, it leaves me wanting more, um, and not only wanting to have it for for two two thirds of the year, but obtaining it full time and making sure that I put myself in position to. Um, be healthy throughout the whole uh, the whole experience and, and really um, help this team in any way I can. And that's obviously my goal for next year, and, and I look forward to pushing this offseason to, to be in good shape to, to really obtain it next year. Hey, uh, uh, Chris, this is TC Ward, and actually i got to ask you something kind of completely different. Um, you played with my younger brother, Tim Ward, um, in the past, and I told him I was coming on this podcast, and I said, "Hey, do you want me to ask him anything?" Or, and he said, "I needed to ask you how your your CRV is, which I'm assuming is your Honda CRV." So, <laughs> yeah, Timmy, man, he's a good dude. Um, no, I actually got rid of it. Oh, so, sad. It's doing that well. Lake, um, and so I had I had it for for four years, and then when the lease was up, I, I turned it in. So uh, it uh, no longer <laughs> is with me. Uh, oh. Sadly, but yeah, we had some good times in, in that yeah, in nice. that little uh, SUV. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, you know, next year, along with winning that U.S. Open Cup, now you guys are back in Champions League. What does it mean going to play? You know, represent Concacaf. We haven't had an MLS team win it in this format yet. What What's it going to take for FC Dallas to be that first MLS team to win that to to raise that trophy? Yeah, we're we're excited about the opportunity. Um, obviously, our first game is 
it's before the regular season, so uh, the guys know that it is a big off season for us. Um, obviously, we got to get our rest in and, and, and recover and recoup, but at the same time, uh, we know that there's a lot of responsibility on us, uh, not just that we're putting on ourselves, but we'd also want to represent this league well, and, and this league deserves to have a champion of, of CONCACAF, so uh, we hope that that can be us, and, and we'll push this off season. Um, we'll, we'll start on, on time and, and really make the most of our time together to, to push for Big Chris, I'm curious. Um, talking about uh, you know you know the success that you guys had this season. Obviously, losing to Seattle, I believe, was not in the plans. Of course, nobody likes to lose. But from what you saw in the first game to what you saw in the second game, you won the second leg. Let's. I think people kind of forget that because it's like, oh, FC Dallas lost the series. You know, we don't care. But there was a lot of really good things that happened in that second leg. What was what was the difference between leg one and leg two? Was it the atmosphere in Seattle? Was it the energy? What was what was lacking in that first game? No, I mean, look, it's it's tough going on the road and and a big atmosphere like that. But but we get up for that stuff. We actually had a, a pretty strong first half in Seattle. Um, I mean, they scored their three goals in under fifteen minutes. So it wasn't as if we played a terrible game when we went to Seattle. We we had a bad spell that they that they really made the most of. Um, we're a team that historically has done really well on the road last year, and and for us, we take a lot of pride in that because uh, we know we have a squad that can can win anywhere, and we don't just say that; we actually mean it. And, and this year, we were able to back it up and, and show it. Um, for us, we are disappointed with the first leg, and, and the second leg, we kind of showed our disappointment with what we did in the first leg, and and really went out there and and took it to them. Um, we also in the second leg didn't have a whole lot to lose. We were a team that needed to score sure. three goals, and, and we knew we needed to be sharp on the defensive end to uh, to not allowable and to really push forward. And our game plan at home has always been really aggressive, and um, we're going to take it to whoever's coming to us and kind of put them on their back heel, similar to how Seattle plays at home. So for us, uh, we know we needed to keep it close to get home and, and to be able to achieve uh, our goal of advancing. And unfortunately, we came up a little bit short. And uh, it stings, and it still stings, but uh, we'll get over it and, and move on and, and hopefully use it like we've used uh, experience like it in the past to, to become better and stronger with our with our young group that is maturing every day. Chris, outside looking in, uh, obviously seeing Diaz go down was a, a big a big effect, again, outside looking in for FC Dallas, but what was it like being on the inside of that and losing such an important player to your roster? You know, look, we've we've had actually a couple of players that have who have left during periods of time this year for us. Um, Mara was injured in the beginning of the year uh, for a little bit, and and we still found ways to win. And then obviously Fabi left uh, during during the international window. So for us, we we pride ourselves on being a deep team, and I think you can see that. I mean, we we still won a series or won a leg of a series um, in, in the playoffs without him, and found success without him even after he's injured in the regular season. So. For us, we he's obviously a huge monumental player for us, and, and he creates a lot of our attack going forward. Um, well, that being said, we we have players that can come in and step up and um, and and really take on roles that uh, we need uh, in, in in his absence. So, whether Tesho coming in and, and really pushing the envelope for us in the second leg of, of the Seattle series, or Marzal's coming in and, and kind of being the connecting link up top, um, we have guys that are that are made to, to step into those situations and guys that we've counted on throughout the year when, when they've been asked to do it. So um, it's obviously never easy losing your star and, and Morrow and 
uh, obviously it was, it was definitely hurt us, but at the same time, uh, we had guys that stepped up and guys that were willing to take on the responsibilities that um, that were after them. Chris, I'm I'm always interested to hear this you know perspective from players, especially after the season is kind of done and dusted. Was there a game or a moment in a game this last season that? really just kind of stands out to you to how you kind of reflect on what the 2016 season was or just a moment for you personally where like, I can't believe I made that save or wow, I can't believe, you know, you know, Morrow scored that goal or, you know, something like that. Is there, is there a moment or a couple that really stand out to you and that really makes the 2016 campaign, you know, fresh in your mind every day? I think our reaction after going down one nil uh, in the open cup in LA, um, it's, it's not very highly tallied. It wasn't televised game or anything of that sort. Um, but we went down one nil in, in extra time or in overtime in, in LA and we found a way to win in the last two minutes of the game. And the reaction from the guys there uh really showed that this team could win championships and that this was this team obviously by winning that game we, we got a home game in, in the final of, of Open Cup. But for us we knew that we needed a performance like that to really kinda turn the tables and, and, and turn the focus and Look, the guy stepped up in a big way to to find a way to win in, in L.A. And I think after that game, we, we found a lot of success on the road and a lot of belief on the road to, to pick up points. Um, obviously, we, we picked up points late against L.A. Uh, to, to clip the shield, and that's not an easy thing to do. Um, so we, we found a lot of different places to, to find success on the road, and, and I think it all started with that, that big win in, in overtime in, in Open Cup. Well, Chris, I, I want to go back a couple of years and actually get off the topic of soccer for a bit. Because this is the first time you are on our show, I just want to do, first of all, you know, just say thank you for, for you know, taking, boy, uh, the remainder of the 2012 season off to donate bone marrow and, you know, as, as a couple of articles have said, making the, the biggest save of your life. And a few years later, you actually got to meet the recipient. What was what was that moment like for you, and and how powerful was that? No, it's huge. Um, having him be able to fly down here, first off, be healthy enough to fly down here and uh, take in a game that we played is is really special. And to be able to spend a couple hours with him and his daughter, um, and have my wife meet them as well, uh, kind of put everything into perspective for us a bit. You know, like it's. It's easy to, to talk to someone on the phone, but to sit there and actually see them in person and see them doing well um, is big. And obviously, I'm, I'm excited to, to get the story out there and, and get people talking about it because the more we talk about it, the more people realize that it's it's not a big um, deal to get on the registry. And, and there's nothing that really happens. You swap it inside of your cheek to, to become the, on the registry, and, and you have a chance to really help someone in, in, in a dire situation. Well, I can't think of a higher note to uh, end our interview on. So thank you so much, Chris, for uh, your work in the game, but obviously your work in life as well. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Chris. It was our pleasure. Uh, there he goes, FC Dallas goalkeeper Chris Seitz, joining us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Uh, we are going to run to the last little part of our show. We'll take a final break, come back, wrap things up, do what I believe, talk about Jordan Morris, because we should, because it's relevant. I don't want to, but we will. But either way, we'll talk about that and so much more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this.
Back inside the studio, two up front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. This is T.C. Ward. All right, let's clarify. I don't hate Jordan Morris. That's not what it is. I was oh. curious about where, like, yeah, we got to talk about Morris. <laughs> no, we have to talk positively about the Seattle Sounders is what I have, is what I'm having a, a beef with, unfortunately. No. This is so weird because I'm not, I, I, I congratulate Seattle for how well they're doing. Yeah. Especially Congratulate their coach. I mean, absolutely. That's, that's the real deal. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, it's hard because I mean, I'm a Revolution fan. We don't really hate Seattle because they've never done much to us. Because Rev- that means the Revs would have to be good to do something. And Seattle would have to do something too. But. but but Portland though, for Simon though, the Cascadia, oh, well, all that stuff. Listen, all year long, I've been saying that they're going to be a horrible team because of all the injuries. Yeah. So I, I'm actually, yeah. I'm not very. You know, people are calling for Caleb Porter's head. That was me last year. I'm not he this was. year. I mean, when when you're dealing with. 40 to 60% of your starting lineup being out every single game. He didn't have one single game that he could put the same line out out there because of injuries. Well, we're Arsenal fans, so we... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, all, we're used to that. Yeah. that, that, that See, but whoa. the difference is that Portland's trying to reach the top where Arsenal's like, yeah, we'll do well, three or four we'll as long there. as we're in Champions League. We took second last year. Everybody brings up this fourth thing as if yeah, it's like, you I know. I know, my guys, we... Well, we didn't win the league, Well, you know like who we, second is, right? The first, first loser? Yeah, uh, yeah. Better than being the third loser or the first right? loser, yeah, I exactly. guess. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> yeah, well, Jordan Morris, though, wins the MLS Rookie of the Year. He scored 12 Shocking. goals, best among all. Yeah, I mean, really, let's be honest. There was nobody else that was going to get it. Jordan Morris is now the official golden boy of MLS from a, a, a rookie perspective, basically. Well, who else? I mean, who else? Uh, uh, what's his face? Jack Harrison from NYCFC. Yeah, was he had a good midseason, yeah. and that was it. Exactly. And then I honestly don't remember the third person because they probably weren't that good. I'll tell you who it is. It was uh, Keegan Rosenberry from Philadelphia. Oh, Jack yeah. Harrison actually came in third in voting. That's interesting. But yeah, yeah Harrison, he had a hot like four he's, or five he's games. Up for and goal, he's it. up for a goal of the year right now because he scored mm-hmm. a sick you know, bending ball to the far post, which is not rocket science to do if you angle your foot appropriately. <laughs> but... You know, I think what helps Jordan though is the fact that once Dempsey went down, yeah, he didn't like he didn't Morris. fall off. He, didn't he actually break. he actually picked up. But, and give know. him credit too. How many times have we seen young players uh, be celebrated so much and yeah. then just fall under that pressure? Mm-hmm. Jordan Morris didn't. Right. He had a few. You know, it took him a little while to get the feel of the league and the, and the feel of this right. level of play. But once he got there, I mean, he did fantastic. Yeah, and that he still scores goals, as you said, with Dempsey out, uh, but also. With you know the okay Nicholas Ladero came in that that's helped that Morris certainly helps out. but right. that's that speaks to Morris's ability to adapt to other players' skills. I agree. No, I hundred percent agree. But we are you know we talked to Brian Dunseth back on Tuesday and he said, well you know fourteen days really isn't that long. Or was it no? It was Matt Matt Doyle. I think no, it was, it was, it was Brian. Brian, okay. Brian that either we were either way, to. I was, they were both saying I think the fact that 14 days for a hamstring injury is not that long in in, in real life. You know, when you think right. about it, you know he's hopeful to be back for you know, the the first leg of the Western Conference Championships against Colorado. But if if Seattle can you know draw or maybe only be down one nil and then buy maybe one more week without Jordan Morris. That still might be helpful, and then you know he can come back storming up the field there and have maybe twenty days of rest. Hamstrings are scary injuries, though. They are. You know, they you, you can say two weeks, but it can end up being three months. Yeah, right. I don't well, know if it was a full like. How how many times do we see players try to rush back to with a right. hamstring injury? Yeah. And how many times have we seen Josie Altidore go down right. with a hamstring injury? Great too? point. 
as much as you stretch. Sometimes the body is just a weird, weird thing, unfortunately. Uh, I, I want to do something, not our I Believe Yet, because we still have a little bit of time. I want to play a game with TC Fast. Simon, I've played, <laughs> I've, I've, I've played, right. I've played these clips <laughs> with you before, Simon, so you know what I'm about to okay. do. Okay, okay. I, is... I, I want to test TC's knowledge of how well he knows what these clips are. Okay. Oh I think like I, I think I've got They're three. all that's okay. My TC, family's going to listen to this podcast. They're like you're an idiot. Uh, they're all minor league soccer okay. clips, so you'll get yeah. them all. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm the Milwaukee yeah, right? highlight film yeah, that exactly, we did. Yeah. That's real what quick. Real quick, I do want to say something though. Please. TC had had mentioned uh Brian Smetzer, head coach now of the Seattle yeah. Sounders. I think it speaks a lot to how often minor league coaches do get overlooked for head coaching mm-hmm. positions in MLS because it's just assumed they don't have the knowledge of the game. Where here you got a guy who's taken over for Ziggy Schmid, and it's he's a hard he's, name to follow. Again, yeah, he's had Ladero that that Ziggy didn't have. But yep. you know, we got to stop. The league has to stop discounting guys who have coached or played soccer in the 80s or 90s and just yeah. say, well, they, they, don't, they don't know right. what's going on. Well, Brian's been a part of the team from the beginning. He has. The USL, yes, so he yes. knew the team. He but he was never considered for that head head coaching position. Know, which is he, weird. He, you know, he... I, I would almost guarantee that the front office was not thinking, hey, at some point this season we'll probably give him the head coach title. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I did see, too, that Minnesota United is actually considering the D.C. United assistant head coach. His last name is McGee. I don't know his first name, but they're considering him for their head coach. So you talk about another assistant coach that might eventually get promoted to a head coach. We see that a lot in the NFL. But even there, D.C. Sport. United has had uh, Chad Ashton as one of their assistants. You know, he played he played in the pre-MLS days. He's been an assistant coach in MLS, yeah. I think, since almost the beginning of the league but he never gets considered for a head coaching position you know i just think being a head coach of any sport organization you know it's a lot of work it is a lot of different (laughs) it's not just x's and o's it is managing personalities managing budgets managing your your staff Mm -hmm. and being able to recruit the kind of staff that's gonna you know best bring out your message so it's really you know we I agree, like, you you would think that it would make more sense to consistently promote from within your organization when something doesn't go right with who you have in place, but it really is a different type of person that has, you know, a small percentage of people can be successful in that role. I agree. I mean, and that's why I think you see a lot of head coaches bounce around because they at least exhibit some measure of an ability to run an organization which is sure, essentially what sure. you're, exactly, you're yeah. doing and I mean that's why you know the, the firing and hiring of head coaches is always such national news on any sport because right. it's like who's going to be the next person to take over and I've always had a hard issue with that, unfortunately, because coaches will get fired after a bad season. I'm right. like, if you actually go through and break it down, how many times, though, was it the player error? Like, you can't, right. like, I mean, everyone's human, I get that, but how many times do coaches get fired because their players miss a kick or have a penalty kick saved or miss a three-point shot? The coach right. wasn't the one taking the shot. Right. You know? And I I do think, you know, we we do have a very quick reactionary society right now where coaches are let go. Yeah. You know, to, Instantly. I mean, it's like, look, Oh, you're done. You know, they're already saying that Bob Bradley's on the hot seat at Swansea yeah. and it blows my mind. I mean, yeah, he comes in. They, his first game is against Arsenal. Then he plays against Stoke, but then has Manchester United after right, that. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> what not did exactly. you really expect him to do? Yeah. I mean, come on guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, it probably takes two to three years for a, for a coach to bet into a, mm-hmm. to an organization and get their players and get their system their system right. I mean, the problem is that you know it's a dollars thing, and if 
your attendance goes down exactly. and you're already bleeding money out of your organization. The, the easiest person to get rid of is a coach, not a player. Sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Because the yeah. coaches usually cost less than a player. All right, I'm sorry I got us off yeah. on this no, huge tangent. It was a great discussion. <laughs> I really like it. So, all right, I'm going to play you three clips, and you have to listen to them and tell me like the context of each quote or the each clip. Okay, got it. All right, here's your first one. Here comes the corner. It wouldn't drop to a white shirt. Now it has. Jones. Oh yes, Jermaine Jones. This what sounds a like it's the U.S. USA men's Lilla. national team. Yep. Uh, it's Jermaine Jones in the World Cup. Yeah. And is it is it Ghana? No. Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. Hey. But I remember the goal. I remember. <laughs> I knew, it, and the color of the uniforms is yep. sort of similar, right? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, you could sure, say you that. Could say, like, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. Instead of, I knew it. Instead I, of like that bright red, it's more of that uh, maroon for Portugal. Right, that's true. Right, that's, right. A, that's a nice maroon. All right, here's your next one. <laughs> I've was, never, yeah. I've never heard that before. <laughs> it's a nice maroon. To take it. Yeah. Um. I feel like if you don't get that one, people are going to reject your passport. <laughs> yeah. American soccer fans will find you and be like, how did you not know what that one is? No, it's it's a bicycle kick or something like, oh, is it? it... Do you want to hear it again? <laughs> I'm, is it our knockout game in the World Cup? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I know the goal. but it, I... it, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It Please. has something to do with the... Team, you thought Jones scored again? Yeah. Okay, it is Ghana. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say that That's because the, it's the, like the most was... iconic header in soccer history for the United States. Is... Do you remember yeah. which game? Which game was it of the World Cup? Was, it, was that our first game? Yeah, yeah, against Ghana. Go. That was the game-winning goal. John yeah. Brooks scored against Ghana. He came out after the game and said that he actually dreamt that he mm-hmm. scored the game-winning which goal. Is even cooler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, last one. This is in the Europe area, so hopefully this should, should resonate with you a little bit better. Okay, probably not. Here so, we go. It's a nice-looking maroon. <laughs> It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero. Oh, this is the end of the, what is it, the 2011-2012 season? Or 2010. It's where United thought they'd won the league. Yep. And City scored two goals in stoppage time against QPR yep. to win it. And... I was actually, you know, and I love the three lines. I used to go there all the time because my wife, when I was dating her, she lived just down the road from there. It was great, you know. Oh, okay. um, but I was actually at the Highbury on the on the uh, oh. in Third Ward or whatever, uh, Bayside, um, for that final day. And it was hilarious because they had all these TVs on and there was the United contingent and the City contingent mm-hmm. was like three people, I think. You know, and the Arsenal contingent. And actually, I think that was the day, too, where... Arsenal uh, ended up finishing fourth because they won, and Spurs finished – or no, we finished third. Spurs finished fourth because we won and they lost or oh, something. Okay. And then Chelsea won the Champions League that year, mm. and Brad Friedel was just crushed because he was a former Spurs guy. But anyways, yes, so the United fans chanting all game because City is losing all game. They're going to win the league. They're going to win the league. And that happened, and – Classic, yeah. classic, classic. That's that's impressive right there. This is why we have this guy impressive. come on the show and talk <laughs> exactly. European soccer. <laughs> exactly. All right, now time for our final segment here that we like to call our...
It's our I Believe segment where we all offer a thing we believe will happen in the soccer world. Uh, Simon, would you like to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Of course you do. I believe the United States will beat Romania tonight 3-1, to one, and Jess McDonald will score. All right. I believe, uh, so tomorrow, Marquette women take on uh, Wisconsin women in Madison. I believe that UW-Madison will win that game. And uh, I be- also believe that they're going to go from wearing that nice red to wearing a very maroon. pretty maroon. <laughs> <laughs> NTC. I believe that Christian Pulisic is the real deal. Oh. I think that he is a special talent, and he we are going to be talking about him for a very long time. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, that's okay. what I wanted. Yes, <laughs> like I completely like... agree with that. <laughs> I, you go. know, it, it blows my mind how, how people talk about, well, you know, he, the, He's got to. They got to bring him along slowly with the U.S. Men's National Team, so you know he gets that experience in, in doses. Man, he's tearing up the Bundesliga, right? What, and against that's all good you need. teams, against you good know. teams. Um, that 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 extra time goal or a uh, uh, stoppage time goal he had. Yeah. Right after it was a Champions League game. Yeah. He was a second-half sub yeah, came in. Yeah, it was against Hamburg, I think, right? I think Maybe. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ingolstadt, I think it was against, wasn't it? Ingolstadt. Sure. Sure. It was yeah. a German no, team. Yeah, I know yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> But I think it was Ingolstadt. Right, right. uh, either way, you know, he had just played in Champions League, played great in that. Then he comes back to uh, league play and scores a goal. I think he got an assist that game yeah, or an assist the game after. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this this idea of we got to bring him along slowly. Man, he's already starting, for mm-hmm. the most part, for Dortmund in the Bundesliga. They're, they're on top of their group yeah. in Champions League. What what bigger pond do you need to be in to come right. along slowly? Exactly. Right. Exactly. All right, TC, before we let you go, and thank you, of course, for jumping on the show today. Your yeah, USA-Mexico score really fast. I'm going to go with 3-1 for the U.S. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Simon? 2-1 U.S. That's exactly what I was going to do as well, was 2-1 USA Wimps. as well. What do you, what do you mean, Wimps? <laughs> I just say Pulisic. <laughs> he's going to play. He's going to get uh, a, goal and, a goal and two assists. I think they're going to wow. I'm worried I, we're going to give up an early goal, though. I, I really probably. think. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I probably shouldn't say it because I, I don't mean this in any political way, but but we've seen it before. I do think Mexico is going to go after Pulisic, yeah. Pulisic if he's playing. And, yeah. and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised you know. if he's getting hacked. Julian yeah. Green for the winner. I'll call that. I'll call my shot on that one. There you go. All right. Well, TC, thank you so much for Thanks joining for us. Uh, quick reminder where people can find your your work as, as a coach, but also on social media too, please. Yeah, at TC Ward underscore uh, on my inactive Twitter account. If Perfect. You're, you know, and uh, coach at Strike FC. Um, come by our indoor facility. Fantastic. Simon Proven, final words? Uh, final words, final words, final words. Yeah, you know, we, we don't bring religion much into this, but of course our sign-off is all about God. He's in control. That's all I want to say. He Amen. is in control. And break a leg tomorrow night as well. Too, oh, yeah, I night. should talk about that. Can I talk about that real quick? You got yeah. 20 seconds. All right, Laura Ingalls Wilder Christmas opening uh, with Acacia Theater. I am playing Pa. Most importantly, my daughter Grace plays Laura. Woo! Daughter Bethany plays Carrie. That's going to be performed over at Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin. We open tomorrow night, 730. Perfect. Where can I get tickets? Did you say that? Uh, uh, AcaciaTheater.com AcaciaTheater.com Fantastic For TC Ward For Simon Provan I'm Baxter Colburn With our manager Being the one above We are two up front Me, 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 me But also you the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Pip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.